Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 12 of the Visualize You show. So before we get into today's episode, I'm sat here, it is about 11am here in the UK. So it's about, I think, 6am Eastern time in the US. So right now, a lot of my friends in America are going to be waking up to the current standing in relation to the presidential election. So currently as I sit here, the vote is 51% Biden and 49% Trump. But there are some key states that are still to announce their outcome. Uh, and I don't think they're going to know for sure for another few days. Now, I'm not a political animal by any stretch. In fact, I've had positions in my career that have been non-political. I, by my nature, don't like to take sides. I can always see both sides, but there has been something so uneasy about what has been going on in America and around the world right now. And as somebody who can feel emotions of others, who can feel what is not being said, it has, I've just been really feeling just dire frustrations and tensions and anxiety that the country, that the nation, but more closely what my American friends are feeling right now. So I just want to say that I am really thinking about my American friends right now and you are all in my thoughts and I just really hope for the right outcome. But here's the thing, when you trust in the universe, whatever the outcome, even though it's incredibly hard, even though it may seem illogical, you just have to trust that the universe is playing the long game and it knows exactly what is right for humankind. So even if things change, know that it's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. But if there was ever a real life demonstration of how the ego plays out, so Trump um, announcing that there is some kind of fraud going on, that he wants to stop the counting of ballots right now is just ludicrous. It is a true example of how the ego shows up. How so the ego comes from a place of fear and jealousy and hatred and really scared. So Trump right now is scared. His ego is so scared. And what the world needs right now, what the US needs right now, is someone who is truly source power, who is coming from that place of flow and love. And yeah, ego is playing out big style right now. And to be honest with you, I don't know enough about Biden. I haven't looked enough into his past. I, like I say, I'm not a political animal and it doesn't interest me on a day-to-day -day basis. But I'm hopeful for a new future. And uh, we'll see where we are. We'll see where we are in a couple of hours, days, uh, even a couple of weeks as it's mentioned. So anyway, moving on to today's episode. This is another episode from my friends across the pond. This episode is with Lynn Powell. What a great name, by the way. Lynn is a 30-year advertising executive turned entrepreneur. She was most recently CEO of J. Walter Thompson, which was, I believe, a branding agency in the USA, one of the biggest branding agencies in the USA. And she recently launched a premium clean hair care brand called Masami. Lynn is passionate about challenging the status quo, building high performance teams and helping women 
find their voice. Now, this was such an interesting conversation. One of the things we talked about was that as founders, when you were maybe starting out on your entrepreneurial journey, when you were founding a new company, it's really important that the people you bring into your organization are not clones of yourself because we all have skills and experience, but we really need to be able to bring a rich tapestry of skills and experience into organizations because we don't have all of the answers ourselves. And so the other thing that Lynn talks about is that how it's important to really understand and be aware of ourselves, have really good self-awareness, know what you are good at, but just as equally know what you are not so good at. We can't be good at everything. And so by knowing the things that we don't do so easily, that should give us clues to actually those are the people that you want to find who have those skill sets and bring them into helping you build a really dynamic and rich organization. We also talked about zero-based marketing, which is an approach that Lynn has taken with her new company. And she talks about being completely honest and not having any marketing budgets and just thinking and looking at how you can do marketing very differently today. You don't have to spend thousands of pounds on campaigns and advertising. You can actually use influencer marketing and guesting on podcasting and some really innovative ways where you're able to get your products and services in front of an audience and just doing things a little bit more innovatively. We also touched on this idea of connecting the dots. So me and Lynn had got similar views on what it means to connect the dots but also I have used this idea of connecting the dots a lot when I'm talking about careers and career paths and giving us clues to what it may be that we're doing in the future. I think we can get to a certain point in our lives where we can see the clues of what could potentially come next by really taking stock of our skills and experiences on what has come before. Lynn talks to me about using intuition when starting a new partnership with somebody. And then we talked about how individuals and startups can create visions and values much easier than large corporations that have been around for such a long time. When you have a blank slate in front of you, when you're just starting out on that entrepreneurial journey, that is an ideal time to really cultivate those vision and values and what it means for you as an organisation, what you are willing to compromise on and what you are absolutely not willing to compromise on. And it's something that I did when I started my own business, but it's also something I did when I started the podcast. So I think you can create vision and values for lots of different things within your organization. And it's important whenever you are creating new products and services that you have the vision and values at the back of your mind. Lynn also reminds us the importance of having a mentor and not to be afraid of experimenting and trying new things out. So Lynn's new company, Marsami, is a company that fuses the East and the West. They produce clean healthcare and have this unwavering commitment to formulate clean hair care products that hydrate and make people feel really great about their hair every single day. Now, as somebody who has always had long hair, there has been times when I've antagonized over what to put on my head. 
So healthcare, just as much as skincare, is incredibly important. So I hope I'm saying this right, but Makabu is considered Japan's ocean wonder and has amazing vitamins and minerals that leave your hair really healthy and shiny. The Masami products are infused with Makabu, which is essentially seaweed. So I was really interested to dive into how this company came about. And if you're somebody who loves hair care products or if you really want to invest in your hair's healthy protection and shine then make sure you stick around to the end of the episode to get a very special visualize you listener discount rate on your future purchases from masami check out the show notes for all the details and i really hope you enjoy the show Welcome to the Visualize You podcast. I'm your host, Beth Huey, and each week on the show, we will talk about how you can pivot in your career and create a business that is more in alignment with your true soul's calling. I'll bring you interviews with inspirational people who have taken that path already, so you can learn the practical skills that will help you do the same. I'll also deliver training and bring experts onto the show to help you recognize your self-worth, honor your skills, and become confident, feeling ready to pivot package, promote and profit from your career and life experiences. Welcome to another episode of Visualize You. Lynn, thank you for being here today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So, I'd like to start just finding out a little bit more about your journey. So where it all started for you and how you ended up doing what it is that you're doing today. Like most people, well, actually, I don't know. I shouldn't say it that way. I was going to say my journey has uh, been a little circuitous. It hasn't been a straight line. For me, I actually was an English criminal justice major in college, which has nothing to do with what I do now (laughs) whatsoever. I had like for maybe a year of my life, I was thinking of being a lawyer, which was for me, if anyone knows me, is like really a bad idea because I just would not have enjoyed it at all. And I think I realized that. And then I decided when I was probably a junior in college that I wanted to go in the FBI. And I actually went through the whole process of applying and there was a hiring freeze. They basically told me, check back in six months. After I graduated from school, I was living with my parents. So the idea of (laughs) waiting six months for potentially to be told to wait another six months. I just wasn't going to do that. So I ended up, I ended up getting a job in advertising. I interviewed, well, actually I met a recruiter who's basically said to me, you're going to go on this job interview and get this job. And I was like, okay. And she sent me on the interview and it was for a receptionist for a small agency. And they hired me on the spot because I think I was like, I had a pulse. I could speak. It wasn't exactly like (laughs) pick up the phone. Yeah, I could pick up the phone. I could say, I could direct it to the right person. So they were like, yeah, you could do the job. So they hired me, but I found that I really loved the creative environment, Mm -hmm. using creativity as a business tool. And I was a receptionist for maybe six months. And then they promoted me into account management. And I worked on the Pizza Hut account. And I worked at that agency for three years. And I really loved it. And so I felt like I found my niche. And from there, I ended up moving to New York and staying in advertising for 
pretty much my whole career, mm -hmm. which was really great for a long time until it really wasn't great anymore. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that is because I, I was the CEO of a large agency, J. Walter Thompson, New York mm -hmm. is New York's the headquarters. It's a $2 billion agency, the oldest ad agency in the world, or at least it was, it's no longer around because they merged the J. Walter Thompson brand with another brand. So it technically doesn't exist anymore. But I was dealing with a very public Me Too situation. My global boss, the global CEO had been accused of all these things. And that lawsuit went on for about two years and I was dealing with it pretty much the whole time. So that was not fun. And I also realized as you get more senior in these positions, your job changes dramatically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the stuff that I loved when I got in the business was, like I said, creativity and thinking about it from a business lens and solving problems and working with clients. And then when you become the CEO and you're managing an agency, you're just dealing with the problems, but you're not doing the fun stuff. You're basically dealing with, oh, this person is quitting. We have to give them a raise immediately or they're going to walk out the door. Yeah. Or, oh, this client's unhappy. There's just always something. And then I had the lawsuit on top of that. And I realized I was not having fun. So I decided after doing it for so long, I'm like, there's really nowhere else for me to go in this business. I don't want to take another CEO job because it's the same thing. And I've always wanted to do my own thing. I just never had the opportunity, like the right moment. And my parents are entrepreneurs. So I grew up in a very sort of entrepreneurial household and I decided to leave. It was about two and a half years ago. And I actually started a brand consultancy and was working with a number of startups, helping them with their brand positioning and brand strategy, which was for me, super fulfilling, like really fun because a lot of the startups, if they don't have a marketing background, the founders, a lot of them are engineers, technical people. They don't build the brand thinking about the brand, they'll launch a product and, and they think everyone loves the product, but they don't think about all oh, the brand positioning, the brand narrative, how to tell the story. I was working with a number of founders who had gotten themselves in this position where they'd been, they put a product on the market and two years later, it's the dog's breakfast in terms of the communication because they're just all over the place. They didn't have a focus. So helping them with that. And that was super fun. I was really enjoying that. And then I met my hair care partner, James, who I actually met through my husband. And this is the way that the universe works. Absolutely. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> So my husband was also in advertising at the time and James was working on his team on the global Citibank account, which was a huge team. And James says to Bill, my husband, Hey, I've been working on this side project, this side hustle for 10 years. I've been working on these hair care formulations. I think I have them done, but I don't know what to do next. I'm not sure what to do. He's a producer at heart, James. Yeah. He's not a branding marketing person. My husband was like, I've never worked in beauty, but Lynn has. <laughs> Why don't you talk to her? Because he's right. I've done tons of beauty in my career. I've worked on L'Oreal's hair products. I've done Nexus, Clinique, Vichy, a bunch of stuff. So he connects me with James. And I immediately am super skeptical because my husband has a track record of introducing people to me like to hire and then I end up firing them. So yeah, it's a thing. So he wants me to meet James and I'm thinking, I really don't have an hour to waste, but fine, I'll do it. 
And what happened was I decided, okay, instead of just doing a boring meeting, they're going to come over to my apartment for dinner, James and his husband, Masa. To really so get they, to know them. Yeah. I'm going to get to know them, right? Yeah. It'll at least be fun. If the business idea is not good, at least hopefully we'll have a fun time. So they come over and I had not met them before. And I immediately love them because they love my dogs. They both went up to my dog. At the time, I had two dogs. One has since passed. And they both just went to my dogs and just were giving them so much love. And I love people that love dogs because I actually realized that I like dogs most than, more mm-hmm. than most people anyway. <laughs> so they, they were just amazing. So when they walked in, I'm like, okay, they're dog people. And then we ended up having a really awesome conversation over dinner where they just took me through the whole story of how James created these products. He worked on the formulations for 10 years. He found this ingredient in Japan through his husband, Masa, who's from Japan. He's from this little tiny town called Atsuchi in Northeast Japan. And James would go back to Masa's hometown and these people, Masa's family and the people there would be eating and using this ingredient called makabu, just like a staple in their diet, the way we would eat, you know, avocado toast. James thought, okay, they're so healthy there. They have the longest life expectancy in the world. There's something going on. I need to figure this out. So he started playing around with the ingredient and using it in formulations. And I think most people know that seaweed, like intuitively seaweed is good for you. And he knew that, but he, did, he wasn't exactly sure like what it was going to do in your hair. But it turns out his intuition was fantastic because it actually acts as a sponge and brings a lot of uh, moisture hydration to your hair, which is the number one problem people have. So it was like he didn't quite know that's the thing he was solving, but he was solving. And it turned out to be a, a really important and big thing. So he's telling me all the story and I'm getting hooked, right? At this point, I'm like, this is sounding actually really interesting. And then he gave me the products to try and I was like totally sold after that because I've worked on a lot of crappy products, meaning- You have to make them look good in the the work that you do, yeah. Correct. And uh, most of the products that I worked on, now in hindsight, I didn't know it at the time, but they had a lot of toxic stuff in them. Mm -hmm. In the US, I don't know, in the UK, I haven't done the research there, but in the US, 90% of hair care products still have sulfates, phthalates, or Mm -hmm. parabens in them. So the majority of the market is still toxic. We're using them day in, day out as well. We don't realize what we're doing to our body. Yeah. And hair. Well, we're using them. And not only that, but like people don't realize when they're shampooing, they're actually like rubbing it into their scalp, which is one of the most absorbent parts of your body. Right. So if you think about it, you're basically putting the toxins right right (laughs) into your body. So at the time that I worked on L'Oreal, gosh, at this point, it was, I don't know how long ago. 15 years ago, but people weren't aware. Like it just wasn't, we never talked about that. The whole idea of these toxic ingredients never came up with any of our conversations with the clients. It was mm-hmm. all about which celebrity are they going to sign? That was- Who's going to endorse the product? Who's going to endorse the product? Yeah. That was like the big thing, but no one ever talked about the fact of there's stuff in there. So James was way ahead of the curve because he figured out 10 years ago that you really want to make products that are as good for you as possible and clean as possible. The challenge in hair care is when you try to do that, most of the products don't perform very well. So he wanted to create products that took out the bad stuff, but but were really high performing and had all the hydration and had all the, the good stuff in it. So that's why it took him so long. Is that typical though for a product such as yours 
to have that amount of research behind it because that's a really big thing isn't it that you, you've actually got all the science behind it I would say it depends on the business and category you're mm-hmm. in I think in our case hair care has lagged skincare like skincare now I think you could go online or into a bunch of stores and find lots of clean skincare options there just are way more mm-hmm. and people have they feel like because you're rubbing it on your skin and it's absorbing in, you're not rinsing it off. People, I think, had more of an intuitive like uh, reaction to wanting clean skincare. So hair care has been lagging behind because people have this perception that, oh, you're, you're just washing it off. You're just... washing it off. It's uh-huh. not staying on there. And also a lot of people have also figured out you don't need to wash your hair every day. You might use it twice a week, some people once a week. I talked to a woman the other day who washes her hair once every four weeks. Oh my goodness me. Yeah, I know. That's not me. <laughs> I was freaking out today thinking I should have washed my hair last night before this interview. But, um... Oh, you're funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, this, I'm more old school about it. I like to wash my hair more frequently, but, but it's also because my hair is really thin and flat. And if I don't wash, it'll look greasy. So anyway, hair care has been a harder category to figure out the clean thing because consumers, at least in the U.S., are used to the bad stuff adding Mm -hmm. performance cues, meaning sulfates provides the sudsing experience and people associate suds with clean, even though the suds are actually detergent and they're not very good for you. So what we had to do, it's really hard to change people's minds and change behavior. So one of the things James figured out, which I thought was really smart, is that we have to still have some suds. We can't take them out completely. I've tried some of the cream products that don't suds at all, and it feels weird. And yeah. I know better. No? And I think as customers, we're con- conditioned, pardon the pun around that, but we're, we're, ki- we're kind of conditioned that actually when you wash your hair, there should be some kind of right? foam. So to take right. that out completely, you'd be like, mm, is, this, is this quite right? Is it working? Is it uh-huh. leaving residue? Like you just feel like it's, so we decided to create low foam formulas. So they're not no foam. Mm-hmm. They're still a little bit, but they're low foam. And we found alternative ingredients that provide that experience, but it was quite difficult to find those ingredients and um, make sure they're EU compliant because we follow EU standards instead of us in the U S there's only a handful of ingredients that everyone can agree on are bad. And then there's a lot of things that you get very different points of view. In the EU, there's a long, I think it's like about 1500 ingredients. So we decided to follow that because it's just way ahead of the curve from the Uh US. And as a premium brand, that's really your USP, isn't it, in terms of what you're able to deliver? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I met James and I think a part of when you're going into business with somebody, it's do you get on, right? Like mm-hmm. good chemistry, is it going to be a good partnership? And you have to assess all that side of it too, beyond the product being good, which I already knew it was. But it was one of those times in your life, like James and I, and he's a quirky bird. And I mean that with love, like he's a very intense personality, but we're quite similar in a good way. And in, in that we have a passion for doing things, creating things that are good for you. And we just got on really well. And now it's, we're like family. It's just, it's a really good partnership. And I think the other thing that makes it great is we're complimentary. I always tell founders, if they're looking for another founder, don't clone yourself. Don't find somebody that's exactly like you because you're just going to step on each other's toes. Yeah, because I suppose there's that tendency sometimes to maybe gravitate to maybe a friend or somebody you've worked with previously where you get on. But 
also you might have those similarities and actually that's not what you need is it you need complementary skills and experiences that's right that and you I don't have or that we don't have as individuals correct. yeah I think that's super important and I think I, it's a big mistake I see a lot of founders mm-hmm. make when they bring in a partner and they're not aligned on the vision and they're too similar in what they do it just worked out that James strength is really in the innovation side and in production, and he's really good at sourcing our bottles and materials and things like that. And my strength is the business and the branding and the marketing. Perfect. We do, yeah, it's like a Venn diagram. And uh-huh. in the middle, we share the vision and the values of the company that we're super aligned on. So there's never any argument about that whatsoever. It's we both completely buy into what we're trying to build. And so it makes it just so much easier because we're not fighting about stuff. We're just supporting each other. And, and then I think the other piece is once you have your founders in place, then it's, okay, what else do you need on the team? What other capabilities do you need to round it out? And I always tell people, you have to be really self-aware. It helps to be a more experienced founder in my case, because I've had a lot of years to know what I like to do and what I don't like Mm -hmm. to do. And I am very clear about the stuff I really don't enjoy. Like I'm not really good at the analytics. I don't really like to dig into the finances. I have other people that do that stuff for me. So when it comes to more operational stuff, that's not my strength, but I bring in people in the team that know how to do it. And so I think that self-awareness of what you like to do, what you're good at, and then what you need is also critical when you're starting a business because you just need I think need that's to, so, need to be honest to be honest with yourself don't you and I think it's just impo- it's so important to know yourself and your own strengths and weaknesses so you can bring the right people in I think sometimes there's a tendency especially when you, you are starting up and you're a young business that you want to do everything yourself and it, it does feel it is your baby a little bit and it does feel like it's difficult to delegate some of those responsibilities but we, we can't do, we can't do everything. <laughs> we can't do everything. And, and it's impossible. And marketing has become so complicated these days. Launching a business. It's all encompassing, isn't it? It's just. Yeah. It's both easier and harder. It's easier to launch a website because you can go on Shopify like we did and build your own website, which we did. We did it ourselves. Right. We had to hire a coder for a tiny bit of work. It costs, the whole thing costs us maybe $500 to mm-hmm. do our website, which it used to be. I used to be in the business of basically offering the services to companies to do that. And it would be $100,000 to build a website. It was like, that's what it used to cost. And so now certain things have become way easier, but other things have become way harder. Like Mm -hmm. it's just so much harder to stay on top of the digital ecosystem because it's always changing and evolving and the algorithms are changing for whether it's Google or Amazon or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, that I always have to say to people, you're going to go crazy if you try to be the expert in everything. You just can't. You have to pick your lanes and you have to bring in other people who can be the experts in those things. Because if it's just enough to be dangerous, which I do a lot of times, that's not always great because you'll make decisions that are seem like they're the right decisions. And then you end up backtracking sometimes, which has happened to us because I have to sometimes remind myself to let my let my digital person figure some of this out. And and sometimes I get so excited that I'll just jump in and do it. And then I realize, oh, that was stupid. (laughs) We have to fix that problem. Yeah. Are you starting or thinking about starting a new WordPress site for your new business? And you are not sure which theme to pick for the best. Check out the Brizzy theme. 
With no coding skills required, no web design experience, the innovative Visual Builder empowers users to create awesome modern websites. It is so easy to use, it's packed with templates that are fully customizable. You can also create pop-ups and lead capture pages with complete ease. It's amazing. I use it on all of my websites and when it's starting at just $49 for the pro version, what's not to love? Check them out at visualizeyou.com forward slash brizzy. So while we're talking about marketing then, because I, um, I read, I think it was on your HMS Beagle website yeah. around that you have a zero budget approach to marketing for this company, new company. And that's quite a unique way of approaching things. Not everybody would maybe as brave to do that maybe, but I think you're focusing more on influencers and, and doing things slightly differently. Yeah. So the zero based marketing approach is actually something that my partner and I have been talking, my partner on the HMS Beagle Mm-hmm. which is the brand consultancy have been putting in place and talking about for several years. And he actually wrote a book about it, but it was interesting now for me, for my own business to actually put that in place. Cause it's one thing to advise other companies on that, but then do it myself. And we literally have no money. I don't have any investment money or self-funded. So it is a different approach. It's basically using your current customers to get more. And it's really building the business from the grassroots up. So we do tons of content, tons of social. We're really active on all the channels. Obviously, I'm doing things like podcasts because the beauty of a podcast is you get to tell the whole story. It's not just a little soundbite where Mm -hmm. you're dropping an image on Instagram and hoping people get it. So we're trying a lot of different approaches like that to see what sticks, but it is very much zero-based marketing. We have no money. And I do think it's, it takes a lot of work Yeah, because you're doing a lot of content creation yourself. You're doing a lot of tweaking to your platforms. It's not like you can just put stuff out there and hope that people will show up and come to your website. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I suppose it it means that you have to be a lot more focused in what your intention is and what your outcome is that you're trying to achieve. But I do like the personable approach. You can get your story across and you can work with people who have genuinely used your products and services and and giving genuine and honest reviews. So I just think it's a, a, a really unique and brave approach but I think putting in all of that work I think it it will pay dividends in the long run and I've seen you've done lots of different podcasts and things obviously great to get out there well it's interesting even some of the podcast hosts that I've met are now Masmi lovers like they've used the products Uh and they love them it is like winning people over one at a time which takes a longer time but I think as a result those people are stronger advocates they have a stronger commitment and, a, and I have a few clients or customers who will never use anything else. Like they're so hardcore about Masami and they love it and just works for them. It depends on your hair type and it depends if you're, some people just can't get over the idea of paying $38 for a mm-hmm. bottle of shampoo, but other people look at it and they're like, I was buying Living Proof or R&Co or Biogio anyway, and those are in that same price range and this is a better product. It just depends on your mindset, really. Absolutely. So talk to us through your career journey. I think I read somewhere that you also said that you are a connector of dots. Yes. So what does that mean to you? Because I've got my views of what that means to me, but I'd be interested to know what that Yeah, I love that you asked that. I really think that's a superpower skill these uh-huh. days is the way I think about it. And I actually think it's the new form of creativity because creativity has evolved. It's no longer just coming up with something in a vacuum and putting out in the world and Mm. having a great brand idea. So 
when I talk about dot connecting, what I'm really good at is taking a conversation like you and I are having and linking it to something random. Like I'll be having another conversation with somebody tomorrow and I'll go, oh God, I was just on this podcast. And, uh, and then before I know it, I'm introducing you to this person and, and creating yeah. a whole new ecosystem. And I, I do that quite a bit. And, and it actually, for me, is one of the ways I get inspiration. Because mm-hmm. I just, I like to talk to different people, even if they seem like they have nothing to do with my business, or sometimes you'll just find that there's like a little germ of an idea yeah. that he has, or you find out that they're job hunting and that, oh my God, I could connect you with somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. do that quite often too. It's, oh, I actually just talked to somebody who's looking for somebody like you. Done. Uh-huh. So that's what it means to me. What does it mean to you? Because you said you're also... Yeah. So I've always, I, I would say I'm very intuitive. So again, so if I'm speaking to somebody, it's almost sometimes I've jumped ahead in the conversation a little bit. It's almost like I can feel what's coming next for that person. I also connect the dots. So I, I'm the same as you. If I have a conversation with somebody, I would also, oh, I've just spoken to somebody and, and also do it that way. But because my career has been here, there and everywhere. And I think when you get to a certain point in your life, you can look back and see how the, all the dots connect. But when you start out on that journey, you can't necessarily see where you're heading. It's only when you're at a certain point that you can look back and go, actually, that's why I went there and that's helped me get to here. And this has really helped me in this situation. But what I think can do midway life is actually give you some clues to actually what's coming further down the line. So I like to try and connect the dots of the picture that is emerging in the future mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that you'd said that. And that was something that I've always done intuitively, I would say, but not realized yeah. I was do- doing it, I suppose, until much later on when you can join those dots up a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Because I didn't really realize that it was like such a superpower skill. I think until- it is, yeah. I think, I think it, is. it is too. And I, I actually think people can learn. It's one of those things that when you start to put yourself in situations where you're meeting interesting people and you're doing things you haven't done before and you're trying new things, you do start to do it naturally. And it's like a muscle. I think Mm -hmm. if you work at it, it becomes easier and easier to make those connections. I also think you need to be open to it though as well. Cause I think everything, there's probably things that we can see at all points in time, serendipitous things. But I think if we're not receptive to it or we're not open to seeing them, then we're just not going to see them. So I think it's been open to that power as well. I think everybody yeah. has probably got it on some level, but I found a fellow superpower dot, dot connector. So that's lovely. <laughs> so just going back to your career, can you identify that exact moment when you shifted to the company you have now? I know we've talked a little bit about it. That again was serendipitous, wasn't it? In terms of that meeting that you had with your business partner. That's quite a leap of faith, isn't it? You've just met them for the first time. You've got on with them. They're really like your dog. Great. But actually now <laughs> I'm going to start a business with this person. How... How do you do that? How is it, again, is it an intuition type thing or is it a bit more that needs to go on from a business mind point of view, crossing all the T's and things? It starts with intuition for Uh sure. There's got to be that initial feeling of, okay, this is interesting. It feels like it could be great. But from there, we had several more conversations, obviously. So Uh then it became, okay, if we were to partner together, what does that actually look like? How are we going to fund the business? What percent of the business are you going to have versus you get into those conversations Mm -hmm. and assuming that you can work all that out because sometimes those are the things that will derail the whole thing because you can't align and one person thinks, wait a minute, I've been doing this for this long, so I'm worth X and you know, you, 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 all those, those things. So 
we were able to work through all that pretty seamlessly. And, and then it was really about sharing the vision. Do we have the same vision? Can we align on what we're creating? And if the answer is yes, then, then it makes a lot of sense. So it, it's not just like your gut telling you do it and then you jump in. I think you got to do your due diligence to make sure that the yeah. partnership is solid because uh, I see a lot of, I, I've had this experience now working with startups over the last two years. I've worked with about a dozen of them and I've seen a number of them have issues with the founder relationship where they are not on the same page. They didn't do that work up front. One founder has a vision of the company being one thing going in one direction and the other founder has a vision of the company going in a different direction and it's impossible like you're never going to be successful if you don't even know what you're building yeah let's lean into that a little bit then so the whole vision and values aspect of starting a business when i looked at your hms beagle you got the whole theme around ships and there's a clear storytelling going on in, in the marketing is that something that you feel at your core building cultures and visions and values of organizations is something that is really important to you yeah. I enjoy that. And I've done mm -hmm. it for a lot of companies. So it's fun to do it for yourself. So that's what I've enjoyed because I've spent a lot of time helping other companies figure some of that out. And I will say it's a lot harder to do it for a company that's been in business for 50 years or a hundred years or even mm -hmm. five years or two years because they have behaviors and things in place that don't always align with what they say they want to do. And then you're trying to change something and it depends on the size of the organization. Yeah. I was helping when I was at J. Walter Thompson, I was helping J and J Johnson and Johnson try to, mm -hmm. you know, reframe their whole approach to marketing. And it was incredibly difficult because yeah, where do you start with that? Right. <laughs> A company such as that. Yeah, that must be. Even within J. Walter Thompson, right? Like me heading up the headquarters there getting J. Walter Thompson to change and evolve was incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of gravity and there's a lot of system thinking that just pulls you down and back to the way things always were. And you have to constantly be fighting that. So I do think it's a lot easier when you're starting something from scratch and you have a blank piece of paper. It's daunting for some people because they don't know what to write on the piece of paper, but mm -hmm. you have to force yourself to, to have that discipline to do that up front because then it just makes everything else easier. Like I said, you're not trying to unravel it later. You're not trying to change culture. You're not trying to get people to behave differently. You're just putting it in place from the get-go. And then I, I am a fan, even though it can be a little cheesy, of using symbols or analogies, mm -hmm. or if you want to think of archetypes. For the HMS Beagle, it is very nautical. And a lot of our language and the way we talk about brand positioning fits into that. And for Masami, it's very much a Japanese Zen, but mm -hmm. with a little bit of an East meets West attitude. And knowing your voice is really important because that way, you know, you're speaking from a place of authenticity, I think. Yeah. For founders and as CEOs of companies, it's easy to do that from an individual level. I think when you start getting to bigger corporate companies and you've got 10, 20, 30, however many people around in the boardroom who've all got their own idea of what that company is, then and they're all put throwing ideas into the melting pot. How can that ever be what the company is about if it's just people who've been there for six months or been there for, do you know what I mean? It just seems, yeah, I mean, I don't know where I, I'm going with that thought, but it just seems like it would be an impossible task to ever get what that company is about at its core or rebrand at that point in time, because there's so many people who are invested in that company for whatever reason. But when you're starting out, you've got that blank slate, you can do yeah. whatever you want to do. 
No, I think that's true. And I, I think it is really hard with big organizations. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what ends up happening is you end up just deciding, okay, who are the stakeholders? It's these 10 people are going to get in a room and mm -hmm. hash it out. But inevitably, there are people that feel left out. Not all the stakeholders, even though they may align ultimately on the vision, they may not really agree. So it, it is really hard. But I find that the most effective rebrands or culture shifts happen when the CEO is a respected, mm -hmm. successful CEO and really drives the change from the top and the yeah. bottom, mm -hmm. kind of sandwiches it. Like yeah. that usually works the best. If the CEO is somebody that people don't like and the CEO is telling you, this is what we're doing, then forget it doesn't work because yeah. people just ignore, they just, they'll just ignore it. And I've seen that a few times too, where for whatever reason, the CEO is just not somebody that people love. And so mm -hmm. they just don't want to get behind, even though they may love their job and they may love the company. So it's really tricky. It's hard for these bigger companies for sure. And look at how many now are going out of business, right? Mm -hmm. We all knew retail was challenged, the retail industry. But now when you look at, oh boy, at least in the US, it's like ugh, the number of stores closing. Oh no, the it's the same, brands. same in the UK. Yeah. 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 So it's just hard, I think. Mm -hmm. So in all of those journeys then, can you identify maybe one life lesson that you'd want to share with our listeners today? I would say the biggest lesson would be surround yourself with the right people. I think that is one of the most crucial things you can do to be successful. And when I say the right people, people that share your values, mm -hmm. people that are on the same page as you on the, in terms of the mission, and then people that are complementary, which we talked about earlier, but that have capabilities that will take you further. And when you build that team, then you're pretty much unstoppable, I think. Oh, and the other thing, I'll just give one more, yeah. is find a mentor. That's the other thing. At any age, people always need someone to bounce stuff off of. And I always say to people, like, you're not in this alone. You should have a network of, it, it can even be two, three, four, five mentors. It doesn't just have to be one person. But it, that's important, too, to just have a sounding board. Yeah. And somebody that can question you, that you trust, so you're not going to just ignore it, but somebody who can try to play devil's advocate and poke holes and that's helpful. Yeah, I love that. So I've managed uh, programs previously where we've had uh, mentoring events for women um, specifically. And actually it doesn't have to necessarily be somebody who's ahead of you in your journey. You can actually speaking to younger women or yeah. totally different perspectives can be so eye-opening and just give you some insight that you would never have got to on your own. Has there been something that's been calling you, do you think, throughout all of this time? to bring you to the point that you are today? I don't know. I just think people are motivated in their lives by different things. And I'm somebody that is super motivated by being really productive, much to my husband's uh, dismay. <laughs> <laughs> but I like to get shit done. And I like to move things forward. And I like to see things be created and made and built. So I think that sort of inner desire of to do that kind of led to this natural evolution, which of course, as you said, like in hindsight seems more obvious. It does when you're in it, mm -hmm. but the idea of creating my own thing is a natural evolution of, well, I was doing it for other people. So why that? would I not do it for myself? Mm -hmm. And that's what I really enjoy. So it makes sense. In terms of your journey again, so we all have kind of these skills and experience that we amass over the course of our journeys and one of the reasons why I started the podcast was really to help people see that we have these skills and experience because I don't think we're as human beings we're not always that good at shouting about what we're good at 
or we shy away from that a little bit. But is there something that you would say are your superpowers? We've mentioned one of your superpowers already, but would you say there's something else that you'd want to share? I, I would say I have two. I would say the dot connecting for sure, but I would also say building high performing teams is my other one. I'm very good at assessing talent, but not just mm-hmm. based on what people have done, but based on potential. Yeah. Seeing what people could do and then putting them in a position where they can do it. And I think that's something people can learn. I think it is a little bit intuitive, but I think you can learn how to be better at that. And I think that's a really helpful tool when you can do that because there are so many dysfunctional teams that get in the way of progress. So if you can actually build a team that works really well together, that Mm -hmm. supports each other, that people feel motivated and inspired, then you know, you're going to be way ahead of the curve, I think. That's another great superpower to have. Mm. Amazing teams and people around us. We've already talked really about marketing, haven't we, and, the, and, the, and what you're doing currently in terms of getting your message out there. Is there anything else that you'd want to share with our listeners? I would just say uh, to anyone who's thinking of starting a company or has a business or don't be afraid to experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, we're on a number of emerging platforms, whether it's Cargo, we're on Spin Live, we're on Talk Shop Live, we're on Spocket, we're on a bunch of platforms that some of them are live streaming, some of, our, some of them are connecting influencers with brands. But I would say, even if you don't fully understand it, try some of these things out because you never know what's going to stick. And I don't think any of us has a crystal ball to figure out where marketing is going to really land in two years or five years. I think we have some ideas, but I think, I think experimentation is super helpful and important for, especially if you're a small brand and you can do that. You don't have processes that get in the way or bureaucracy that bogs you down. Yeah. You try some things. I think that's very helpful. Yeah. And get somebody else to do the analytics if you're not sure. How and get somebody to else it. to do the analytics. Exactly. <laughs> that's my approach, but yeah. And then decide like which things are working for you and lean in harder. We've been doing Talk Shop Live, which is basically like a QVC online type format right. where you can live pitch your business. And I like it because it's, again, like we can tell the whole story. My co-founder, James, is our face. So he goes on and he does these live streams every week. But they're also recorded on the site. So you can literally log into Talk Shop Live and see a number of Masami videos and then buy the products. But I like it because... It sounds like hair care would be a no big deal purchase, but for a lot of women, it's not. It's actually, they, they have a lot of concerns. They don't want to buy a product that's not going to work for them. Mm-hmm. Our research tells us they need to see our message seven times before they commit. So the more we can tell them about it and shortcut those seven times, the better. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what's next for Masami and you? What's coming up for you in the future? We've got a bunch of stuff in the hopper. We just started marketing our products in Australia with a partner called The Natives Company, which I'm really excited about. They're a clean beauty retailer. We're also expanding into Europe and uh, the Middle East and Russia through a distributor. Wow. Yeah. And we're also creating our next products in the pipeline. We have three products in our innovation pipeline that we're working on that James is all over and we're hoping to launch early next year. So we're busy. Exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to say anything about the products that you've currently got out there at the minute in terms of what's available for people to try? Yeah. So we've got a shampoo. It's low foam, as I mentioned, Um, a conditioner, a shine serum and a styling cream. They're all gender neutral with a light, fresh scent. So it's Mm -hmm. not 
overwhelming. We have actually about 40% of our purchasers are men. Men love our styling cream. It's interesting. And our products are all vegan, cruelty-free, as I said, no sulfates, parabens, phthalates. Yeah. And we all, we also have a travel kit. So if somebody wants to try, but they don't want to commit to a full size product, you can mm-hmm. you order the travel sizes and just try the products before getting into the big ones. That sounds great. Where can people find out more about your product? You want sure. Yeah. We're, our website is lovemasami.com, L-O-V-E-M-A-S-A-M-I. And our social handles um, across everything, it's Love Masami Hair. So that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube. Are you on TikTok as well? I've not even ventured. I watched TikTok, but I haven't ventured into TikTok land. I posted a couple videos there, but (laughs) we're not really on it. We have an account and I have three videos on there, but we're not doing, we're not actively like TikToking. I don't think I'm going to venture. Yeah you never know maybe it's been lovely to have you on the show today lynn thank you so much for being here it's been a really interesting conversation i look forward to seeing you online and trying your products in the future amazing thanks for having me okay everybody i really hope you enjoyed today's show as promised for all of our listeners lynn has kindly offered to give our listeners a discount code on her amazing hair care products so to grab that all you need to do is go to visualizeyou.com forward slash masami that's m-a-s-a-m-i and enter the words visualize you at the checkout and that's visualize with an s at the checkout all of the details are in the show notes and thank you Aline so much for offering that to our listeners today the other thing that I want to remind you about is that the gratitude journey is still coming up December the 1st registration is still open we have about 80 people now in the community really excited about what is going to be happening in December around that it's completely free to join you'll be spending the whole of the month of December in gratitude but also I'll be sharing some amazing trainings with you and to really get you into a positive mindset for whatever 2021 has in store for us so go register at visualizeyou.com forward slash gratitude and I look forward to seeing you in the community All right, my friends, I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I have some freebies waiting for you over on my site at visualizeyou.com that are going to help you get started on your career pivot. I'm offering you not one, but two business and career downloadable affirmation audios, a guide to journaling and a ton of affirmation scripts. You can choose what you like or simply devour them all. If you've always wanted to master the art of creative visualization, check out my signature course, The Visualization Vault. It's self-paced, comes with a loving community, and you'll learn how to release resistance and creatively visualize your best life and business. With exercises, affirmations, meditations, and more, head to visualizeyou.com forward slash vault and get the course at my new podcast listener rate. Check out the show notes for all the links. Okay, so that's all for today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any aha moments, tag me in your social media stories and please leave me a review on iTunes. It'll really help me out. Until next time, remember to visualize you.